My name is Travis. I'm the campus pastor at New Life Wilsonville, and I'm very glad that I get to be with you this morning, and as uh, Pastor Scott is down in Wilsonville this morning. And we are, as all of New Life Church, doing the songs for summer. So we're doing psalms this summer, and we've been, for the last several weeks, looking at why we trust God and how we can trust God in all circumstances. And so you have been, if you've been here, hearing this, that these psalms, these songs, these prayers of the heart are this crying out, Lord, would you help me? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, Lord, even though I am sick. I I may be sick even to the point of death, but Lord, yet I am going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust you even when there are people who are antagonistic toward me, when my enemies seem to be surrounding me, even then, Lord, I am going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust you even when my sin is overwhelming me, even when my shame and my guilt are upon me, even when the consequences of my sin are against me, even, Lord, when your own hand is against me, even then I am going to hope in you and trust in you alone. And we have been going through the Psalms and we have been seeing that uh, week after week, that in all circumstances, at all times, we are to trust in the Lord. And so as we are looking at Psalm 40, I want to do just a little bit of a twist on this and look uh, not just why are we supposed to trust the Lord in all circumstances. I, I think that the, the preachers who have spent the weeks before me have been doing a good job. So we're, we're not going to be talking so much about why we should trust the Lord when our sin is overwhelming us, though that is here in this text. We're, we're not going to be uh, talking so much about why we should trust the Lord when we feel like we have people who are against us, though that also is in this text. But what I want to focus on this morning is how we know where our trust really is. Because I feel like in this text, in Psalm 40, while David is proclaiming his hope in the Lord, and while he is saying, Lord, my trust is in you and it is in you alone, he gives us some very clear ways that we can see, oh, this is evidence that David trusts the Lord. And we can use that as a mirror for ourselves and say, do I also trust the Lord or is my trust in something else? And I think that for us, as, as we have spent several weeks talking about why we should trust in the Lord, to do a little bit of an evaluation, okay, where is my trust actually can be of profit for us. Because the things that we say that we trust aren't always actually what we trust, right? We say, oh, we trust people, but then when it comes right down to it, our actions, the things that we do, indicate where our trust actually lies. I'll I'll give you a quick, for instance, a really obvious one. Uh, We had a phone break, a cell phone break in our house uh, this last week, and so I was looking for a replacement phone. And I I found somebody on Facebook Marketplace who was selling a phone at a pretty good price. And I asked him if he was negotiable on the price, and he indicated he would be negotiable on the price. And that, for me, is always a good indicator. This is somebody I want to do business with. You're negotiable on your price. Uh, Let's get together and talk. And so uh, when I went to go meet with this guy, um, I did not know him, and he did not know me, and we did not trust one another. 
When I said, hey, can we get together so that I can take a look at that phone and see if I want to buy it? He said, yes, why don't we meet in a parking lot at a neutral location? He did not offer me offer for me to come over to his house and have coffee with him while we discussed this phone. I don't blame him. When we got there and I looked at the phone, even though the box and the manual and everything were all there together, yet I took that phone and I looked at what the IMEI number was and I did a search on the internet for that IMEI number so that I would know this phone is not registered as stolen or lost or anything because I did not trust him either. Now, even if I said I have a basic hope and trust in the good of people. And even though I told my wife, look, I didn't go on Craigslist to buy this phone, I went on Facebook where this guy has been a member of Facebook since 2011. He has history. I have his name. Uh, He seems like a real person. Yet, I did not trust him. Right? My actions demonstrate, yep, I, I do not trust this guy. And, and that's, that's what I think happens here. As we start looking at this, we start seeing, as we look in Psalm 40, that this is a psalm uh, of David. And David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. This is verse 1 of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. At the beginning of this psalm, David is just recounting something that has happened in the past and is saying, this has happened for me and now I've got this new song that I'm going to sing and I'm going to proclaim so that many people can hear and trust the Lord as well. Because this has been my experience. As I just reflect back, on what has happened for me. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I just waited. I was in trouble. I had these issues that were going on. And I just, I just waited patiently for the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't wait patiently for much of anything. But David did. He waited patiently for the Lord. And it says, and the Lord inclined to me and heard my cry. Isn't that great? Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, right? You cried out to the Lord, and sometimes it doesn't feel as though the Lord is inclined to you. He's not inclined to hear what it is that you have to say. Especially when you're having to wait patiently. But David identifies and says, as I look back, I recognize that while I was waiting on the Lord, and I cried to Him, The Lord inclined his ear to me and heard me. And when that happened, he drew me up from the pit of the destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Now, I don't, I don't know that David was literally in a miry bog. I think this is pictorial language for us, language of imagery that he felt like he was sinking in and he had to be reached in and pulled back out. And I just couldn't help it as I was uh, reading that. The thing that popped into my mind was the princess bride, right, where they're walking, walking through the fire swamp and suddenly she gets sucked down into the quicksand and he 
looks down and he sees that she is in dire need of help. And so he grabs a vine and he dives in after her and he grabs her and then he pulls her up, right? And we, we just all go, wow, that's great salvation. This is the same kind of thing that David is talking about here, right? That he is in this, this dire need. He gets sucked down into this pit, this miry bog that is, that is pulling him down. It's the pit of destruction, that is sucking him in and he needed somebody to pull him out from whatever these circumstances were. He needed the Lord to, to incline his ear, to hear and while, how you can be waiting patiently while getting sucked down into a miry bog, I'm not sure, but there's David waiting patiently, crying out, Lord, can you help me because I'm, I'm getting sucked down into this bog and the Lord sees him, inclines his ear, reaches down, pulls down, Uh, reaches down, grabs him, and pulls him up out so that now his feet are set on a rock, making his steps secure. And his response then is praise. David's response in having been pulled out of this situation is, I am going to praise God so that many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So as we're reading this and we see, okay, what is the purpose of this psalm? Why was this psalm written? It is so that we might, many might, see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's why he wrote this psalm. In fact, each experience of God's grace does that for us, doesn't it? Every experience that we have where we feel God's grace to us, where he has pulled us out of some kind of situation and we acknowledge and recognize that this was God who did this for us, causes us to sing God's praise. Wow! Look what God has done! Look what God has done. He has done this amazing thing for me. Look at how He has pulled me out. Look at how I stand secure on this rock right here, this firm foundation on which I stand. I'm not sinking. I'm not falling. I'm not tripping. I am here. Isn't God great? Every time God pulls us out, the the inclination of our heart is to sing this praise, to put it before people. In fact, he says in verse 4, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. I, I think this is one of the first indications of whether or not we trust the Lord or not. Where, he says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Where are we putting our trust? Are we putting our trust in the Lord, or are we putting the trust in someone else? Something else. It's it's hard for me to do that. I've already said that. It's hard for me to put my trust in somebody, especially when it seems like they are taking too long. I asked them to do it. They said, I will do it. So I know that they heard me. They inclined their ear to me. I said, I I really need some help here. Would you do this for me? They said, yes, I can do that for you. Thank you. That would be a huge help. I really appreciate it. And then I waited. And then what usually happens next is I talk to my wife and I said, they said they would do it. And she says, well, then they're probably going to do it. 
But they haven't yet. And then my wife says to me, but they said they were going to. Yeah, they said that. But you don't trust them, do you? I'd like to. I wish that I did trust them. I would just feel much better if I saw some action on their part. I would just feel much better if I knew that I could see that it was actually... In fact, if it was just already done, I would feel much... I could trust them much more if it was already done. There's, there's something in me that has this pride that, that says... If I don't see them doing it, I'm just going to do it myself. I find this even at times when I'm praying and I'm going, God, I I really need help because I can't do this by myself. And I'm putting my trust in the Lord and I'm crying out to him and now I am waiting. But when he's a little too slow, I'll go, you know what, God, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I was going to trust you, but you took too long, and so I'll just give it a shot. I don't think I can actually do it by myself, but better me trying than waiting and seeing whether or not you will do it. Isn't that a terrible thing for a pastor to say? To get up in front of a bunch of people and say it's hard for me to trust the Lord when he's taking too long, but that's what I find. Perhaps you're much holier than me and you, you don't have that issue when it seems like the Lord is taking too long. But, but here he says, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Sometimes we look to other people and go, you know, um, that person, they really seem confident. They really seem like they could do it. Have you ever been in a place of need and somebody exudes confidence in their ability to do the very thing that you need help with? And you look at them and you go, oh yeah, you could help me. But then what happens is as they start to help you, and they go, I think, time out, hold on, you think? Before I asked for your help just last week, you were very confident about this. Oh, yes, and I'm still very confident in this. But now you think, yeah, yeah, I think so. You've done this before, right? Define doing this before. I watched a YouTube video. I'm pretty sure I know how. And then our confidence begins to wane, right? This is the the proud, those who go astray after a lie because we don't put our trust in the Lord, the one who we know is firm. You have multiplied, he says in verse 5, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare to you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. That's pretty amazing. 
God's inclination toward us and his ability are both so great that his wondrous deeds, all that he is able and has done, is so great it is more than can be told. That's where we stand. God has thought of us, is aware of us, and no one can compare to him. And so what he says is, I will proclaim and tell of them even though they are more than can be told. I will, I will tell of the wondrous things that you have done. I will even proclaim it and give it as a recommendation. Have you ever had a friend uh, come to you and say, I, I really need some help in this area? Maybe they, they need a mechanic. And you have another friend who is a mechanic. And now you're in that awkward spot. Because you have somebody that's asking and saying, hey, I need a mechanic. And you have to say, do I trust my other friend who is a mechanic enough to recommend them for this mechanic job? It doesn't have to be a mechanic. Could be a photographer. Could be a painter. Could be an electrician. An engineer. Anybody who has any kind of skill or ability at doing anything, that friend that you know, they do that. And this other friend is asking for the thing that you know that they do. And you have to ask yourself, do I trust them enough that I could recommend them? I like them a lot. They're a great friend. I just don't know if I want to recommend them or I might embarrass myself over here with this person who has a need and here I'm going to recommend my friend because they're my friend, but they're not actually competent in the thing that they say that they're able to do. And then they're going to go and they're going to botch that whole thing. You have multiplied, oh Lord my God, your wondrous deeds. And your thoughts toward us, none can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than could be told. We, he is so confident in God's ability and in God's desire. Both his willingness and his ability. He's so confident in that, that he would, if you, he was asked and somebody was to come to him and say, I have this need, he would say, I have the answer for you. Don't you dare go anywhere else. God is the only one that you should go to in this. It, he's awesome at this, actually. I, let me tell you a couple of stories of the things that God has done. Let just, I'll just start for, He created the world. He holds the whole thing in His hand and sustains it at all times. He is aware of everything that is happening in the world at all times, always and forever. What will happen, has happened, and is currently happening. God knows all of those things. He is omniscient. Can I just tell you how great my God is? I mean, I could go on for days and days telling you how wonderful He is and how much in this need of yours, you need Him. Don't, don't look anywhere else. Don't talk to anybody else. You just go straight to God. He proclaims it. He proclaims it. He wants everybody to know this is the solution to your problem. You go to God if you have this problem. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. 
burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. And then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. David trusts in the Lord to the point that he goes, you know, Lord, it is not my efforts or my sacrifices that I'm trusting in. It's not my efforts or my sacrifices that I'm trusting in. In fact, you, you, as far as sacrifices and offerings are concerned, you're not concerned about those. I, I'm inclined, you have made my ear and inclined me to hear from you. I have put my hope and my trust in the promises that come from your word rather than from my sacrifices. Because I am convinced, Lord, that it is not me, but you who are going to do this. Now, I say that, and for anybody who's been in the church any length of time, we go, yeah, yeah, we know that. But when it comes right down to it, we still wonder if we have done enough that God would incline his heart to us, incline his ear to us. We wonder if we need to sacrifice more, if we need to do more so that this can be answered. Sacrifices and offerings you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. For, the, for, for David, as he's saying this, he is very aware of his predecessor. He is very aware that King Saul was concerned about the sacrifices. Right? You, can, you remember that, that Samuel had said, okay, you're going to go and you're going to conquer and then you're going to wait for me. The prophet told him, you're going to wait for me and when I arrive, then we will do the sacrifices and honor God. And Saul goes and he conquers and he waits. Because he knows Samuel's going to come and they're going to do the sacrifices. And so he waits. No Samuel. Still no Samuel. And people start to get fidgety. They start talking about leaving or doing something else. And Saul goes, ah, we're supposed to wait for Samuel. Samuel said he's going to come. Saul, do you trust Samuel? Mostly. But maybe we'll just get started with the sacrifices until he gets here. We'll just go ahead and do the sacrifices. I'm sure he won't mind if we just go ahead and do that before he gets here. And when Samuel shows up, and the sacrifices have already happened, and Samuel comes to Saul and says, What are you doing? Saul goes, Sacrificing! Sacrifice, because I love God, and I want Him to be pleased with us, and I want Him to continue to give us victory, and so I'm just sacrificing. And Samuel goes, Does God care about the sacrifice or the obedience? 
David knows. David, David is so aware of this. This is a man after God's own heart. And he goes, he goes, God, I know that it is not my sacrifice that is earning your favor with me. I'm not looking toward my sacrifices. I am looking toward your promises. It, it's written of me in the book. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Starting in verse 14. Moses is, is telling the, the people, when you get, come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess, possess it and dwell in it, and then you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as a king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he may not acquire horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire for himself many wives, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him. And he shall read in it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all of the words of this law and these statutes and doing them that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. And David is saying, I remember that was written about me. I am now the king in Israel. And I have now the Word of God written down for me that I'm putting in my heart, that I'm keeping with me, that I'm holding tight so that I will never uh, swerve away from it. Because I know that I trust in your Word more than in my sacrifices and my own self-efforts. Verse 9 of of Psalm 40. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. When you trust somebody and you see the works that they're doing, the praise just flows so effortlessly. The phrase just comes out of you. When, when you see what they did and how they, you ask somebody, hey, can you come help me? I have this problem, this project that I'm working on at home. I, I had a, a project that I was working on at, at home a couple of years ago where we were trying to install a, a half bath in a closet. That was a big project for me. I, I'm not that handy of a guy. But I had a friend who came over and we turned that closet into a half bath and I went, that's amazing! That's amazing. There was no plumbing there. There was no toilet there. There was no water there. There used to be carpet. Now there's linoleum. The paint is different. Everything is different. There wasn't a door. Now there's a door. There weren't any electrical lights or fan or outlets or anything. And you knew how to do all of that stuff and at the same time make me feel like I was helping. That's amazing. 
that anyone could do that. When, when somebody is so helpful, the, the praise just rolls off of our tongue. It, it's a little bit different, though, um, when it's less that way. You know, when somebody comes up to you and goes, didn't I do a great job? I have this happen with my kids sometimes. Isn't this amazing? I really love you. I think that you are wonderful. But didn't I do a great job? I wish you wouldn't ask me that question. Don't you think I could do this thing? You know, maybe when you're older, you could do that thing. But we, we withhold the praise. It, it's hard for us in those times, at those moments, it's hard for us to give praise for those things. But with God, it, it just comes easily. It just, it just flows. He says, I, I've told of all of the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I've not restrained my lips. I, I haven't kept my hand over my mouth and kept from telling anyone. I've not hidden your deliverance in my heart as something that only I appreciate and no one else needs to know. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. I just, I just talk about it. I can't help it. I just want to talk about it and I want to tell people and I'm not embarrassed about it. And if somebody asks, I'm going to let them know. And even if they don't ask, I'm probably going to tell them anyway. Because I am just so impressed with how faithful God is and how my trust in Him has never been disappointed. And as for you, O Lord, He says in verse uh, 11, and this, this, the two sides of this are so amazing to me, that on the one hand, David is not restraining his lips, he is not withholding his praise from the Lord. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Even though I have been a lousy, miserable wretch, you have not withheld your mercy from me. There was nothing in me that deserved your mercy and compassion, but you gave it and did not withhold. And that's why I'm praising. You didn't withhold your mercy, and so I'm not going to withhold my praise. And sometimes, we have to ask ourselves, do we actually trust the Lord? Are we actually praising Him? Or do we feel like when we come into this place and the music is going and we're reading the words that, you know, I don't resonate with those words, and so I'm not going to sing them. Or I don't feel very comfortable singing in public, and so I'm just going to withhold my praise from God. Or when you're out and you're talking with somebody and they ask you about, hey, I know that you were struggling with that thing. How did you come through that? Oh, yeah, um, you know, I just tried really hard, and I had some good friends that were around me and supported me. But we withhold praising God because we feel like it would be unpopular or it might strain the relationship some way.
Be pleased, O Lord, verse 13. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. When we trust in the Lord, we ask. We go to the Lord in prayer. That's what he's doing here. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. When we, uh, a little later today, we're celebrating some birthdays at my house and we're having a bunch of people over. And so we asked some people, would they bring some things to help? Would you bring a dessert? Would you bring a salad? Some of those things so that we don't have to do all of it. And so we ask. And we wait and we expect that they will bring those things. If, if we didn't trust them to bring those things, then I would say, you know, I asked them to bring the dessert, but I'm not. I'll just ask somebody else to bring it too. That way we'll have two. Maybe there will be two desserts. Maybe there will just be one dessert. But I'll just ask multiple people just in case somebody doesn't bring one. Or they didn't bring enough of one. Or maybe I'll just have a plan. That's what I'll do. I'll just have a plan that if they don't come with the dessert, then I will make uh, kettle corn just because that was the plan all along probably. We'll stick some ice cream in the freezer just in case. No one has to know. We have this backup. Right? But we, but we ask and then we wait and we trust that they will do it. That's what happens when we really trust them. Now, the person who's bringing dessert, I fully trust. My wife is very faithful in doing those things for this afternoon. That was just an example. Lest this get back to her. Anyway. God has said, I will be your salvation. And so we go and we pray and we ask him, when we find ourselves in need, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Same thing for other people. Let those be put to shame uh, and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch my life away. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let, them, let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha, but... May all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation continually say, Great is the Lord. David is praying not just for himself, but he's praying for the other people too in the congregation. Would you save them? When, when you hear about somebody else's need, is your first response to go, How can I help with that? Is your first response to say, um, You know what you need to do is... Or is your first response to go, you are in need, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you because God is going to be the best help, your salvation. And then they can respond, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. He's keenly aware of his need. And he trusts that the Lord is the one who is going to come through on that. It's not going to be his own effort. It's not going to be his sacrifices. It's going to be the Lord who is faithful. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author of Hebrews quotes from this psalm. In Hebrews 10, chapter, uh, verse 1, it says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near. 
Otherwise, they would not would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. The, the sacrifices were given year after year, not because they removed the sin, but because they reminded the people of their sin and their need for their salvation in the Lord. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Jesus came. And then the author of Hebrews goes on to explain. He says, when he said above, you have neither desired or taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his surface, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That is the substance of our hope and trust in God. That he has offered his son as the single sacrifice so that it is not in our effort, it is not in our sacrifices, it's not in anyone else, anybody else who might come in and step in, but because Jesus has offered for one time a single sacrifice to remove our sins and provide salvation for us, therefore we hope and trust in him. We don't trust in what we have done, but in what he has done for us. So do you trust God? Are your praises going to him? Are you waiting for his faithful response? Are you aware of your need for him? Are you praying for your needs and for others' needs? Are you trusting in His promises, in His Word? And if not, let's talk about how you might trust the Lord today. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we come to You and we thank You for being our great God who has loved us who has offered his son as a sacrifice, that all of our hope and trust may be in you. And Father, we ask this morning that you would help us to identify the areas in which we trust you and the areas in which we are withholding our trust. And we ask that you would demonstrate yourself to be faithful so that we might hope in you and you alone.
And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.